0: In the Mountain West, we take the lead. We show heart and grit and have the vision to be leaders in everything we do. We don't wait for opportunities, we create our own. Today is our day and we will take the lead.
1: Hi everyone, Bridget Howard here bringing you episode two of season two of the Mountain West podcast, Taking the Lead. Today we'll catch up with two-time Tony Gwynn Mountain West Baseball Player of the Year and Preseason All-American from the Air Force Academy, Sam Kulasingham. Let's welcome in Sam Kula Singham. Sam, happy baseball season. Welcome to Taking the Lead. How are things, my friend?
0: Things are going well. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Well, you guys are coming off a big opening weekend playing Mississippi State down in Starkville, and then a quick game in Hattiesburg against Southern Miss. Can you give us a rundown of this weekend? How did it feel to be back out there? How's the team doing? It
0: was fun. It was a good time. Obviously, um, you know, opening day is always a blast. You're getting the season started. And as Coach Kaz always says, you know, we, we love playing on the road. So we love going to whoever, whenever, and, and going to play them. So getting to play at Mississippi State was fun. They're obviously a really good team. And then going to going to play Southern Miss was also a blast. I think they've hosted two Supers in the past couple of years. So great competition. We wish it would have gone a little better. Um, but at no point did we feel like we were out of games. So... Um, one win, couple close losses, so we think if you know we can clean up some stuff defensively and, and maybe have a little more productive at-bats offensively, we'll be just fine.
1: Yeah, well, it seemed like you guys had a fun weekend, at least, in Starkville. I mean, the dude is like a national treasure in college baseball and always looks like a blast there. I saw they had three flyovers for all mm-hmm. three games. And then, okay, can we talk about the custom shoes that Coach Kaz got? Those were sick.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, they were awesome, yeah. They were sick. Yeah, Duty Noble's awesome. Um, great atmosphere. I think they had you know roughly eleven, twelve thousand fans each game. So the fans are they're great. Uh, they're actually they're pretty nice to us comparatively towards how I've heard them be to other teams. They fed us after the third game, tons of barbecue and stuff, which is awesome. But no, it's a it's a it's a great atmosphere. So it was super fun to get to experience something like that.
1: Okay, well, before we get into talking about this season and, and your career so far. Let's talk about the exciting off season that you had. The blue Jays drafted you in the 17th round of the major league baseball draft, the 514th pick a moment. I'm sure you've dreamed about your whole life. So take me into that moment for you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty surreal. Um, you know, and obviously leading up to the draft, you're talking to teams and stuff, but it, it doesn't really hit you until someone calls your name. And I actually didn't know at the time. Um, Cause Day three is not televised. I was actually helping out with my old travel ball team just out of practice. And I get a call from Jay Thompson, our third baseman. He says, Hey, congrats, bro. I was like, About what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like, The Blue Jays picked you up. And I was like, Oh, man, I got to, I guess I got to call some people. So I, you know, I call my parents, obviously called the Blue Jays and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a surreal moment. Uh, grow up your whole life, wanting to play professional baseball and that always kind of being your dream and it, and it seeming so far fetched. And then when it finally happens, it's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. You ultimately chose to return to the Academy for your senior season. Why was it so important for you to come back?
0: I think the biggest thing is the senior class that I'm with. I have so much faith in, and and I love these guys. Um, you can go down the line, each and every one of them. Um, they they've either been a big contributor in the past couple of years or they're definitely going to be this year and I think I really think something special can happen this year with this group and so that's not something I I wanted to miss out on so I definitely want to be a part of that
1: yeah what feedback did you get after being drafted
0: Mm -hmm. so a lot of it's defensive versatility so even if Not necessarily playing games in different positions, having the ability to, so maybe working on it here and there, being able to play second base, third base, corner outfield, just being versatile defensively. And the other thing was hitting for a little more power. So, you know, more doubles, triples, home runs, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, we know you got the doubles in the bag. That that we know you can do. Well, I also right. wanted to ask you. Former teammate Paul Skeens goes number one overall in the draft. Uh, I saw that he was a good buddy of yours during your time, uh, during his time at the Air Force Academy. Saw Kaz was there, and former pitching coach Ryan Forrest. I mean, how cool was that to see him get the spotlight last year during the draft mm-hmm. after getting a start at the academy?
0: It brought a huge smile to my face. The coolest thing about Paul is that you know. On the outside, super serious, obviously extremely talented. But um, when you kind of open the doors into his real life, he works extremely hard. He's a goofy guy. He's he's fun to be around. But um, no, I was just I was so happy for him. and And just knowing that, you know, all his all his work and all that has paid off for him.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Sam. You're from North Carolina. So tell us, how did you make it all the way to the Air Force Academy here in Colorado Springs? Why was that the landing spot for you?
0: Um, so yeah, they they Caz and I think it was actually one of the it was either Coach Racinger, um it was out of West Virginia or Coach Gilman. One of them saw me play down in Georgia and told my coach, like, hey, we're we're kind of interested. We'd like to chat with this kid and at the time, I was like Air Force. Like I don't know what that is. Um, I didn't know there was a. I didn't know there were any academies besides West Point. I thought West Point was the only military academy. I didn't know there were more of them. I also didn't know military academies had sports. Even though I'd seen and heard of the Army Navy game in football, I really had never connected the dots. And I honestly didn't want to. I didn't want to come here. Um, and my mom was like, "Hey, you know they they asked me to come come visit." And my mom was like, "Hey." Uh, just go see it, you know, see what it's like. Um, try to imagine yourself there and see what happens. So I came out on a visit and I loved it. So I came out, I just I saw all the opportunities you can have out of here. Uh, all the all the cool jobs you get to go do after college is over with. And that that's kind of what sold me.
1: Yeah, well, you talk about the service academies, and I know you guys are heading to Navy this weekend. Big series on tap. Uh, can you give us some insight as to what service academy matchups are like for you as players?
0: It's besides probably the conference tournament, they're the most looked forward to games of the whole season. And I, and the reason why is us and and Army and Navy, we know that after this, we're all going to fight for the same mission at the end of the day. But while we're here, we hate each other, you know, um, and not in terms of not not out of malice. Uh, you know, after the game, we'll we'll chat it up. Um, but when we're competing, we both we all just want to beat each other. And so it's super exciting getting to go into that atmosphere where nothing else matters. Last weekend doesn't matter. Next weekend doesn't matter. Um, It's just about winning that day.
1: I have to imagine you mentioned Coach Kaz and just when you came out here on your visit to Colorado Springs, I have to imagine his passion and just his love for the Air Force Academy really shined through to you as a recruit. So um, for listeners, can you give us some insight as to what it's like to play for a coach like Coach Kislowski, who just pours himself into this team and this program, having been an air force graduate and a former Falcon baseball player.
0: It's like having a second dad, honestly. Um, and I know that's not something that most college baseball players can say about their coach because we go to him with so many things outside of baseball, um, life stuff, relationship, advice, air force stuff, school stuff, just asking, You know, how do I kind of balance all these things we go to him with with so much stuff outside of baseball that him as a baseball coach is almost secondary and him as a mentor is kind of primary so playing for him is awesome, Uh, because at the end of the day, you know that he wants what's best for you in life, not just in baseball.
1: Well, it's not easy being a student athlete at the Air Force Academy. And I think being able to have a relationship like that with your coach is super valuable. And I have so much respect for all the student athletes at the Academy because I don't think people realize, and neither do I to the fullest extent, but I know enough to know that being a student and an athlete and training to defend our country and protect our freedoms is not easy, but you all make it look that way. So Can you just give us a rundown of what a normal day looks like for you during the baseball season at the academy?
0: So yeah, well, you're waking up at you have morning formation three times a week. So um, you'll wake up at probably six to six fifteen. Morning formation will be at six thirty, and then after that, I'll go get breakfast at around seven. Class starts at seven thirty. You'll have class from seven thirty to eleven thirty. Then you'll have Uh, lunch formation lunch and then you'll have a military training block after that so that'll go until like 140 ish we'll head down to the field ride for that practice from two to five lift five to six get after that you're going to the training room ice bath treatment whatever else you need then you're heading up Grabbing dinner at the dining hall. You're back to your room by seven thirty-ish, probably seven thirty, seven forty-five, and homework, study, go to sleep, and and do it all over
1: again. There's no downtime, but you make it look easy. And I have to just say it right now: I appreciate you making time to come on and do this podcast, knowing that schedule. (laughs) Of course, yes, ma'am. Well, like I've said, I mean, you make it look so easy. And I mean, boy, like when you look at the career you've had at the Air Force Academy, it's been amazing uh, to say the least. You're a two-time Tony Gwynn Mountain West Player of the Year, joining CJ Crone, Mitch Garver, and DJ Peterson as the only players to ever win multiple Player of the Year honors in the Mountain West. So Prior to you, no Falcon had ever won a Mountain West Player of the Year honor. Do you ever think about the significance of that and those names that yours is now alongside?
0: Not particularly. I honestly think more about uh, the championships. That means more to me. Um, you know, this year I, I, I want the Tony Wynn to stay in Colorado, whether it's, you know, whether I win it, whether Jay Thompson wins it, Chase Spencer, Jake Grieving. Um, as long as the Falcon wins the player of the year, I'll be happy. But the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, I'm super proud that we were able to bring back a conference championship for the first time in decades. So,
1: well, if it is Sam Kulisangham who wins the Tony Gwynn Mountain West player of the year this year, you will be the only player in the history of the league to win it three times. Uh, I know you just said you just want it to end up in Colorado swings in general, but what would winning that honor and becoming the first yet again to win something mean to you?
0: It'd be cool. Um, that's, that's probably all I can say. It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, we'll see how the season plays out. You know, there's a ton of talented, talented baseball players in our conference. You, you look at every single team and there's guys that can definitely go win it. So I think for me, it's just um, sticking to the process, trusting in my coaches and, and, Trusting in, you know, obviously the the players on my team.
1: Well, you've mentioned it a few times now, but just two years ago, the Falcons were hoisting that Mountain West trophy in San Diego. Last year, he lost in the championship game, but the championship is back in San Diego once again this year. So what does this team need to prove in conference action to get back to that spot?
0: I think the biggest thing is at the end of the day, you have to be in the top four, right? So. Whether you're number one in the conference at the end of the regular season or number four, as long as you get in, anything's possible. When you when you look at that, two years ago the playoffs, every lower seeded team actually ended up winning each game, so anything can happen. So it's kind of get in and then and then go from there, and then you're playing with house money.
1: Absolutely. Well, you mentioned anything can happen. And I mean, I feel like that kind of sums up Mountain West baseball in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like every year there's a new team atop the conference and your Falcons back in 2022, San Jose State last season. What makes this league so challenging?
0: One, it's it's a pretty offensive conference. And so with that, I think a lot of it is what teams are just swinging it well that year and, you know, in the playoffs. Because if your team is hot in the playoffs and you're swinging it really well, um, you're probably going to win more than you lose. So I think that's one part of it. I think a second part of it is a lot of the players in our conference, I feel like, have a chip on their shoulder because at some point they were overlooked by bigger schools or maybe they went to a bigger school to start, Power 5 school and didn't get playing time, so they transferred out. And so I think a lot of the players in our conference have a chip on their shoulder that maybe you don't see other places.
1: Yeah, well, that offensive firepower, I agree with that, and it totally rings mm-hmm. true. It makes the Mountain West Tournament so much fun uh, mm-hmm. to be at, and you definitely fit in well with that. I mean, hitting is like your forte. You finished last season with a 426 batting average, which was the fourth highest in Division One last year at the end of the season. Has hitting always been your thing?
0: No, not at all. Um, a lot of that, that's a testament to my coaches, uh, both in high school and in college, have helped me out a ton. And also the the guys I've gotten to play with. I try to learn a lot from the dudes around me. So watching Jay Thomason hit, watching Jake Grieving hit, I try to learn from those guys. When I was younger, when I was a freshman, it was watching you know Christian Gambale, um, Tommy Gilman, Gabe Garcia, Blake Coven, all those guys hit and trying to just learn little things from each guy. It's like, what does this guy do really well? How can I kind of learn from that? Um, But now growing up, I was definitely more of a defensive type player. And then kind of when I got to college, I guess I coaches helps and and teammates helps and that kind of stuff. Um, Kind of just figured out how to swing it.
1: Yeah. Well, last year you led all Mountain West players in batting average doubles, walks, and on base percentage. So I, feel like it's pretty much turning out really well for you, <laughs> you, to say the least. But I know you talk about you know your teammates and the little things you pick up from them, but I'm curious, is there someone in the big leagues uh, who you model your game after in terms of just the way they're consistently getting on base?
0: I think swing-wise, I look a lot at Brandon Crawford um, just because he's so loose. It's just fluid. It doesn't look like he's... Um, Trying to hit the ball out of the park every single swing, he picks his counts wisely, that kind of stuff. So I think Brandon Crawford's the one that I try to kind of model my offense after, just because he's you know he's loose, he's fluid, that kind of stuff.
1: Drew Lacombe, former Regis head coach, joined the Falcons as a hitting coach and offensive coordinator this year. So how has he helped you um, with some of the power at the plate that you were talking about, and what have you picked up from him?
0: So a lot of it is uh, working top hand um and working on staying through the ball i guess and so that's one thing he's kind of stressing to all of our guys is is staying through it and getting that true backspin kind of a lot easier to you know hit doubles and and have extra base hits when you're truly back back spinning balls instead of top spinning them or or side spinning them so i think the biggest thing is keeping that strong top hand and and really generating true backspin on balls
1: Well, you're getting a lot of national attention, preseason national attention this year, uh, deservedly so. You were named a preseason second-team All-American by D1 Baseball, third-team All-American by Perfect Game, and the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, along with Jay Thomason, who joined you on that last list as well. So, I mean, just in general, what has you excited about this season and what it can really hold for you and this team?
0: I think the biggest thing is is seeing what we can do with the, the guys that we have. Um, I, I'm I'm obviously a little biased, but I think our class baseball wise is probably one of the best baseball classes to ever come through the academy. And so, seeing how all of us can pitch in to the bigger goal of of winning a championship, and and seeing how us we all kind of fit into our roles this year is is going to be super exciting to see.
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't read into your bio. And I came across something I wanted to ask you about. You credit your mom for having the greatest impact on your baseball career. Why?
0: The biggest thing is she always just stresses have fun. And you know, work hard, but then the results are the results. You can't go back and change the results. So, whatever happened if you have fun doing it and you have fun working, you're going to do better. And so the biggest thing is she always texts me before every game, you know, have fun. And and just kind of that mentality to me is has helped me so much because in today's game, I guess today's age of baseball, there's so much that's social media related. It pops up and it's like, oh, preseason this. And you're getting hundreds of likes, retweets, and and that can kind of lead to you feeling pressure for it almost that you have to meet these standards. But then I always just go back to, you know, what she texts me, it's go have fun, you know, go enjoy it, play for your teammates and, and have a good time. And I think that kind of just grounds me and, and keeps me centered.
1: Well, it's great advice. And I loved when I saw that on your bio, we always have to give the parents, especially the moms, the shout out. Mm -hmm. So love that advice and something that's great to live by as well, not just in baseball. Mm -hmm. Well, Sam, last segment we've got here is the quick hitters. Okay. A couple fun questions to get to know Sammy K. Are you ready?
0: Um, yeah, let's do it.
1: (laughs) Who was your favorite baseball player growing up? And do you have a different one
0: now oh I loved Pablo Sandoval and Javi Baez growing up
1: he's back at spring now, training he's yeah, back I at spring that, training he's not crazy. gone anywhere <laughs> yeah
0: um I think now it's it was Crawford although he's he's done playing um Pablo Javi Baez were the big three I'd say just I just loved how they all played now oh man the league's changing so much um that's tough. Tough first question.
1: Hard. Uh, let's here, go.
0: Yeah. yeah, let's <laughs> go. Uh, I really like belly swing. I'll go with I'll go with Cody Bellinger. Um, I know he's he's struggled a couple years, but just how smooth his swing is and how tall he starts. Um, I just I think it looks pretty. I love it.
1: Belly, that's a good one. He came onto yeah. the scene hot last year, resurgence with the Cubs. Oh we yeah, love that. oh yeah. All right, my next one for you. Favorite Coach Kaz saying.
0: Favorite Coach Kaz saying. Ooh, this is a good one. So this is actually after we lost. I think we lost both games of a doubleheader. We were sitting in the locker room, and he comes in, and he's kind of he's getting onto us pretty good, and he yells, "All we do is eat." <laughs> And we use that as our team motto for the rest of that year. So that's, that's probably, that, I think that's number one.
1: I love that. What year was that?
0: I think that was, I'm pretty sure that was my sophomore year.
1: Okay. All which is ironic because eat-
0: that was the, yeah, that was one of the best years we've had in Air Force history.
1: Was but that it was moment? early,
0: it was early in the season. I think it was a doubleheader that we lost. And understandably, he was frustrated. Guys were, Guys, that some of the guys that weren't playing were kind of just eating in the dugout. We came back in the locker room after losing, and we we were eating and kind of Wait, fired them up a little it, bit. That
1: makes it ten times funnier. Wow. Okay, so I I take it that that was probably not one of the signs that went up in the dugout. No,
0: no, we have many signs, but that's not. That that's is not. One one of, that's one more of, of a. That's more of a player loved one.
1: Okay, superstitions. Uh, I feel like every baseball player has them, um, like putting cleats on a certain way, not stepping on the foul line, running out to the field. Do you have any?
0: Oh, yeah, I, I don't step on the foul line. That's, that's a no-no. That's a big one. Yeah, that's yeah. a no-no. Besides that, though, I'm actually pretty loose on superstitions compared to a lot of people. If we're winning, I, especially in the playoffs, after doing after doing laundry, let's let's be clear. After doing laundry, I'll wear the you know the same socks and the same underwear. After doing laundry, just after so doing laundry,
1: after yeah. doing laundry.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah. Besides, and I'll wear the the same undershirt. So that's that's the biggest thing. That's more of a playoff thing, though.
1: All right, my last one for you: big league Chew or seeds guy, or oh, both seeds. Seeds, Gotta okay. Do seeds. Favorite flavor,
0: man. Honestly, cracked pepper has been has been top of the list recently. It used to be taco. Um, the taco seeds were phenomenal. Yeah. But cracked pepper has really been. It's been good to me lately. That's what I had this weekend. So I'll probably go cracked pepper.
1: Do you switch it up during the season, or you stick with one?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, you get you get bored sometimes, so. Uh, I think for me, Cracked Pepper, Taco, and dill and Pickler are the top three. Yeah. Ranch is a little overpowering. It's yeah. a little much for me. Yeah. Bacon. Like bacon's just, I don't know. It's weird to be tasting bacon while you're playing baseball, <laughs> in my opinion.
1: You're not uh, having buffalo.
0: <laughs> exactly. Buffalo's a little, like, it's a little much. I don't need to, my mouth doesn't need to be on fire while I'm playing baseball. So Yeah.
1: Barbecue was always my favorite, but I could never Mm -hmm. figure out how to like eat them seamlessly and spit it Mm -hmm. out. Like, I don't think people recognize that baseball players like have it down to a science and it's actually a Mm -hmm. lot harder to eat seeds than you think.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned that, yeah, I keep all the seeds on one side of my mouth and then I use the other side of my mouth to crack it open, eat the seed and then spit it out. So
1: it's a science. It's,
0: I mean, yeah, you spend hours and hours of your life perfecting it.
1: Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining me today on Taking the Lead. Always a great time catching up with you. Good luck the rest of the season, and hopefully we'll see you and the Falcons in San Diego.
0: Yes, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Of course. That's Sam Kolasingham from Air Force Baseball. Join us this spring for more episodes of Taking the Lead, available on Apple, Spotify, and the SiriusXM app.